0: number of weeks we've been considering the life of Caleb. We've been learning lessons about courageous faith from his wonderful example in Numbers and Joshua and even into the book of Judges. And we've been saying at points that we are to follow Caleb as Caleb followed the Lord Jesus Christ. But we also know that the whole of the scripture is about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus himself opened the scriptures to those who walked with him by the way, and from the law and the prophets and the Psalms, he opened those scriptures preaching unto them things that pertain to himself. So this morning, in a particular way, I want to finish this short series by considering how Caleb, this Old Testament giant, points to one that is even greater, infinitely greater than himself. With a purpose that we might look to the same Savior that Caleb looked to, and in the strength of that same Savior, we would live the same kind of life that Caleb lived. And this really is key to our own courage and our encouragement, as we are called to warfare and conquest in the New Testament church. And as you and I have to engage all those giants that I've been reminding you that you face over the last few weeks. So this morning, our theme is Caleb, the man who sends us to Christ. Caleb, the man who sends us to Christ. Well, how does he do this? In the first place, Caleb looks to Christ himself. Caleb looks to, hit to Christ himself. Now, to understand this, I need to remind you of what we read in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, when he is sent with the other tribal heads to spy out the land of Canaan. And he with Joshua brings back a good report of the land and he challenges Israel that they should go up immediately and take the promised inheritance. Now, the reports differed, but Caleb saw the same thing as all the other spies saw. But the difference lay here that he reckoned on the help of an almighty God. He reckoned on the help of an almighty God even though he had not the privilege that Joshua would would later have. When they crossed over uh, the River Jordan and they camped uh, near the city of Jericho and out on the plain, a man appeared unto uh, Joshua and he says, are you for us or, or are you against us? And this man with a sword drawn in his hand said, nay, but as captain
1: of the host of the Lord, am I come unto you. The Lord himself the son of God, pre-incarnate himself. Caleb didn't
0: have that same privilege as Joshua, but don't you see in his faith,
1: he had all of that in seed? He had experienced the exodus, hadn't he? He'd seen
0: the deliverance of the Lord. He had uh, sh- uh, killed the lamb and applied the blood. He passed through the waters as if on as on dry land. And at the other side, he joined in the song that the congregation of God sang,
1: namely by saying, the Lord is a man of war. Lord hath triumphed gloriously.
0: The horse and his rider hath he cast into the sea. You see, Caleb knew these things. Caleb is laying hold of these things by faith. And laying hold on the promise of God, he is going forth
1: to fight, looking to the one that all of these things center upon. We also saw the failure of Israel at Kadesh
0: Barnea is interpreted in the New Testament as unbelief of the gospel. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 17, they entered in. or did they fail to enter in because of unbelief. What did they not believe? The gospel was preached unto us as well as unto them, but the word preached was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. The gospel was being preached to them at that time. I want you to remember that when you think of the faith of Caleb, It was an informed faith according to the Old Testament revelation that is pointing forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going into the land of Canaan. God had promised them a land. They're the seed of Abraham, and God has said wonderful things concerning the seed of Abraham. But these things that are before Caleb's face physically, the fruit of the land,
1: the goodness of the land, they're all a shadow of something greater. You see, Caleb understand with, understood with the Old Testament believer that God had spoke to
0: them of more than an earthly inheritance. So yes, he's concerned to take uh, Kerjath Arba. That's the, the, the inheritance promised to him. But he also understands that Canaan is pointing forward to something. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11, where the Holy Spirit tells us this. We don't need to guess.
1: Hebrews chapter 11, and let's read there from verse 11 and following. Or sorry, not verse 11. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received
0: the promises. Listen Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. That's true of Caleb, friends. Caleb desires Kirjath Arba, yes, but he desires something way beyond Kirjath Arba. He's looking to an heavenly city, a spiritual country, and having not seen the promise as of yet,
1: he is persuaded of that promise. He holds on to it. He's looking to more than an earthly
0: inheritance. Furthermore, he understands that the promise is to more than the physical descendants of Abraham. You see it again here in Hebrews chapter 11, where Abraham and Sarah are laying hold of the promise of God. But you also see it in Romans chapter 4 when the justifying faith of Abraham is set before us and it all focuses upon the seed that was promised to him. What are we to understand by that? That Abraham was saved by believing that God was miraculously just going to give him and Sarah a child? No, he's not saved by believing on Isaac. He's saved by believing that through Isaac and through the
1: seed, ultimately one would come in whom all of the families of the earth would be blessed. So here's Caleb. And he says, we need to go up and take the land.
0: But he's understanding that it's about more than real estate. It's about more than physical descendants and living in a certain region of the land of Canaan. He's looking through these these things to Christ and the heavenly Canaan. And brethren, he points us in the same direction. He exhorts us by his life and example to do exactly the same thing so that Caleb's faith must be your
1: faith and my faith. We must be trusting in the promised seed who has come in the
0: person of Jesus Christ who alone can take us sinners
1: into the heavenly kingdom of God. So don't miss that. Your hearts may have been stirred
0: by the example and you might think, well, I want to go and be a warrior like Caleb. It has to start here with the same faith that Caleb had in the same savior that you need. Otherwise, you're just shadowboxing. Like the Apostle Paul warns us, we're just beating the
1: air. Looks to Christ. Secondly, Caleb fights as Christ. Caleb fights as Christ.
0: Now, some might come and say there is nowhere in Scripture that particularly identifies Caleb to be a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a very minimalistic and truncated view of how we are to interpret Scripture. The Bible does not need to tell you this person, by the way, is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. You read the Scripture, you see the analogies, you see the shadows being fulfilled and you rightly deduce, by good and necessary consequence, the Lord is speaking to you through these men.
1: You can think of Joseph for an example. Here's another. Caleb fights as Christ.
0: Therefore, you are to see Christ in the life of Caleb. Well, a number of ways that you can do so. First of all, Christ came forth of the tribe of Judah. Christ came forth of the tribe of Judah. In Numbers chapter 13, when the spies are being chose, least of the head, of the ruler, of the tribe of Judah, and
1: to fulfill the types of all of Judah's kings, we come to Caleb and we read his name
0: and we ask, does it really mean dog? When we get hung up, what's the significance of that? Well, his name may mean dog, but his life says something else. His
1: life says lion.
0: And in it, we see the Lord Jesus Christ, a head of the tribe of Judah and the lion of the tribe of Judah who goes forth to fight for the inheritance of God's
1: people. Christ came forth from the tribe of Judah. Secondly, Christ followed the Lord fully.
0: Christ followed the Lord fully. Caleb may mean dog. We also said it's a combination of two words. In Hebrew, kol lev, which means the whole
1: heart. And we see that, don't we, in Caleb? That from his heart, he wholly or he fully followed the Lord his God. We see that in Numbers, we see it in Joshua repeatedly. Caleb follows the Lord with the whole heart, fully, when others wouldn't. Caleb follows the Lord when he
0: returned back from the land of Canaan and 10 of the 12 spies bring an evil report. He stands with Joshua and he fully follows the Lord, his God. Caleb continues to fully follow the Lord his God throughout the wilderness wanderings. I'm reading in my own personal devotions through the book of Numbers, and I've been struck by this. After Kadesh Barnea, they keep coming in nearly every chapter or every other chapter, and they murmur again and again and again, and they say the same thing again and again. Why have you brought us out to perish in the wilderness? And you think, are you crazy? Do you not remember Kadesh Barnea? The reason that you're still in this wilderness is not Moses' fault. It's your fault. You
1: were at Kadesh and you could have entered. But you refused. He's at Meribah. He's at Tabara. He's there when serpents come in and kill everyone. He's there when Balaam is trying to destroy
0: Israel and at length the the women are are taking the hearts of the children of, of Israel. He's there at every point along the way, fully
1: following the Lord his God. He continues through rejection. He continues through discouragement. And for the whole of his life, he gives himself to the service of God. What then, brethren, of our Lord Jesus Christ? Does he not come, in a sense, like Caleb, unto his own? And we read that his own received him not. Does he not endure
0: more than Caleb when Caleb returns with the the, the other spies? And he makes his case. And Joshua at least stands with him. What of our Lord Jesus Christ? He comes to his own, his own receive him not.
1: He goes to the cross and no one stands with him. He has 12 disciples. One betrays him. Another denies him. They all forsake him. And our Lord Jesus Christ stands strong. And we see Caleb and he waited for 45
0: years to claim his inheritance. And he comes forth at the end of that. And he says, I am ready. Give me this mountain whereof the Lord speak. We find in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ that his hour was out there. It was always before him. Yet he was
1: ever willing. He was ever willing that when that hour came, he would go to battle. You remember Luke chapter 12, verse 50, we preached on it, a communion baptism.
0: I have a baptism to be baptized with, and oh, how I am straightened that it be accomplished. That's in the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he would wholly and fully follow the Lord his God all the way to the cross. So Caleb comes forth here in Joshua chapter 14, and he says, I have fully followed the Lord my God, and God agrees with the assessment of himself,
1: knowing as we do that that Caleb is a, a fellow sinner and all of his works aren't perfect. But the fullness of following God fully comes to its true fulfillment in
0: Jesus Christ. He's the one who can say this perfectly. I have wholly followed the Lord my God. It was my delight ever to do the will of my
1: Father. Jesus could say of sincerity, I only do those things that please the Father.
0: And what was the Father able to say of the Son? I
1: agree with you. You have wholly followed the Lord your God. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Behold, look at him, the servant of the Lord. Mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. He has wholly followed the Lord his God. We thank God that he has done that for us and for our salvation. Thirdly, Christ was full of a different spirit.
0: Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, that's what marked Caleb
1: out. The Lord says there was another spirit in that man. The Holy Spirit. The spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ himself.
0: And so we go to Caleb and we see a man in
1: the Old Testament who had the spirit of God and he had it in measure. And then we come to the New Testament, and we meet one who is far greater than
0: Caleb, who has the Spirit of God without measure. Listen to Isaiah chapter 11
1: and verse 2. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom
0: and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Caleb has another spirit to perceive things properly concerning Caleb, to keep him constant in the faith, to enable him at the age of 85 years to go forward and to take the inheritance that God has promised him. But here is one who is greater, who enters into a greater fight, and who has the Spirit poured out upon him without measure.
1: He's anointed with the Holy Spirit at his baptism. He immediately goes to war.
0: He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted for 40
1: days in the desert. He returns from that temptation, having conquered Satan.
0: Full of the Holy Spirit that he might begin to preach the gospel in the power of the Spirit. He performs his miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit. We even read in Hebrews that something's going on in the cross where the Spirit is involved. That he, through the eternal Spirit, offered himself without spot unto God
1: the man par excellence who is of another spirit. Isaiah 11, 2 tells us that
0: he has the spirit of the fear of the Lord. That's remarkably significant when we compare him with Caleb.
1: Children, do you remember what the problem was when the spies went into the land of Canaan? They all saw the same thing. But we said 10 of the spies saw big giants and a little God. And two of the spies saw big giants and an infinite God. What is that but the spirit of the fear of the Lord?
0: These are men who lived in the presence of God, who were taken up by the glory of God, who lived their life in awe of God. The spies went up and they saw the giants and they feared them.
1: Caleb goes up, he sees the giants and he fears God. We see this in the life of our God manifest in the flesh that
0: he by the Spirit has this perfectly, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, so that he fears God perfectly and fears nothing else. Because he is committed by this spirit of godly fear to honor his Father in everything, to obey his will. And therefore he will not power away in a corner when he is called to the fight, but the fear of God will compel him
1: to serve the Lord no matter what it requires. You might be familiar with the term Coram Deo. It's used at least to describe a life that's lived before the face of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ had that perfectly. Then Christ fought in faith to inherit the promise. Christ fought in faith
0: to inherit the promise. And we see that in Caleb, that he said three times, I have fully followed the Lord, my God. But he said five
1: times, according as God spoke in that day. He was fighting in faith to obtain the promise. He goes up to take
0: Kerjath Arba because God had promised him Kerjath Arba. And he holds tenaciously to that promise. And when the time comes, he claims that promise. And then he goes forth to fight giants to obtain the promise. Give me this mountain whereof the Lord speak. It's not arbitrary. I want this mountain. Give it to me. Give me this mountain. Whereof the Lord speak. Give me that region that more than anyone anywhere else struck terror into the hearts of the ten spies. Give me in that sense the most difficult part of the land of Canaan. We're stirred up in our hearts by that. We say, What a man, you know, this guy is full of courage. He's the real deal.
1: The difficulty of Caleb's fight is incomparable to what our Lord Jesus Christ had to do in obedience to his father. But the same principles are at work. Caleb says, you've promised. I believe. I will fight. And you will give. And we can go behind the scenes of the Bible and think of the promise that was made by the Father to
0: the Son eternally. That he would be set apart for a particular work. He would be strengthened for that work. And upon
1: fulfilling what was required of him, he would receive everything that the Father promised to him. And so he goes forth to fight in faith, to inherit the promise. And in the fullness of time, he comes to engage the giants of our sin. To engage the devil, to fight the last great enemy of death to face hell and the wrath of God, standing the
0: whole time, standing the whole time on the promise and the oath of the Father,
1: you have said, therefore I will do. You can see it in a very particular way as we move from the garden of Gethsemane to the cross. There, Jesus wrestles. Father, if it be possible, take this cup, let it pass from me.
0: Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Please never read that statement of the Lord Jesus Christ as a hesitant, passive, mere acquiescence in the will of the Father. I wish that the cup could be removed, but okay, if I really must, I will. Please never read that into Jesus' words in the Garden of Gethsemane. His heart is absolutely committed to do the will of the Father. He speaks as one who remains full of zeal to do everything that the Father
1: asks him to do. And so he gets up. He goes from the garden to the cross. Even more determined than Caleb was to take Kerjath Arba. We've seen it in Caleb. Comes to Joshua and he
0: says, Give me this mountain whereof the Lord speak. Oh, my friends, put those words into the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ as he goes forward to that cross. Give me this mountain. Give me the
1: inheritance that you have promised to me from before the world was. And so he goes to engage the devil in his hour of darkness and he crushes the serpent's head.
0: And then he deals with our sin before the father that was imputed to him and he bears away the guilt and he puts away sin once and for all by the sacrifice of his cross. He disarms it so that it cannot, it cannot come back to condemn any one of his believing people. He gives up the ghost. He goes to the grave. He triumphs over the last great enemy of death so that we might be redeemed from the bondage of the devil and forgiven all of our sins and
1: enter into life by the power of his resurrection. What's behind it? Father has given me a promise. The joy that was set
0: before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can you see this? The father promises the son. The son goes forth confident that the father will make good on his word.
1: I shall make his soul an offering for sin. What's the result? He shall see his seed He shall prolong his days And the pleasure of
0: the Lord will prosper in his hands And the Father reminds him of the promise When he's exalted to his own right hand In Psalm 2 he says Now ask, put me to the test Have I not said, did I not speak Ask of me and I will give you the heathen, never mind Kerjath Arba. I will give you the heathen for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. See what I'm saying to you this morning. You go to Caleb and you see much in the life of this man, but you feel to see enough if all that you see is the courage of Caleb. We need eyes to behold. The triumph of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is filled with the Spirit without measure, who follows God fully like no other man did, who is obedient
1: unto death and who conquers. To help you see him, would you turn to Isaiah chapter
0: 63? Isaiah chapter 63, and it asks
1: you a question. Who is this one? I give you the answer before we read. This is Jesus.
0: Isaiah chapter sixty-three, verse one. Who is this that cometh from Edom, garments of Bosra? This that is glorious in his apparel, travelling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel? And thy garments, like him that treadeth in the wine fat, I have trodden the winepress alone. And of the people, there was none with me. For I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. For the day of vengeance is in mine heart, and the year of my redeemed
1: is come. Who is this who comes to save Jesus? And who is this who comes to destroy every single one of his enemies? Jesus. Didn't you see him this morning? Thirdly, Caleb conquers by Christ. Caleb conquers by Christ. today in the Reformed and Reformed-ish world like the last point a lot. And they should. We should. But they want to leave Old Testament narrative and Old Testament
0: examples there.
1: They rightly say that
0: the Old Testament is given to teach us about Jesus, and therefore Jesus opens the law and the
1: prophets and the Psalms, and he preaches the things that pertain to himself. Therefore, all of these examples teach us to Christ, of Christ, but they are not examples to us to be followed. Now, apparently this is Christ-centered preaching.
0: They all point to Christ, but they're not examples to be followed. So you'll hear men say things like this in a quite patronizing way. You're not David. Well, tell me something I don't know. Of course I'm not David, but does that mean I shouldn't strive to be like David? That's their conclusion. You're not David, or in this case, you're not Caleb. Caleb points us to Jesus. David points us to Jesus. Moses points us to Jesus. And the only application from the text is,
1: look to Jesus. Well, the sounds Christ-centered and spiritual, but it's wrong-headed and antinomian. The call to courage from the life of Caleb is not allowed. You just have to see
0: Christ. We aren't to preach Old Testament examples as moral patterns. Otherwise, we're just moralizing the text and we're falling into
1: legalism. Have you encountered that? You don't need to go far to find this. Here's the contradiction. They do preach. Moral examples,
0: but it's always the bad ones. So you're not Caleb, who, you, who are you? Well, you're, you're the people who are not believing at Kadesh Barnea. And you're not David, who are you? You're the Israelites who were afraid. And your great David comes and he conquers for you. So the only examples, the only moral examples
1: of the Old Testament that you can preach are, you are all losers. Christ's the only winner. Rotten-headed, I say, an antinomian. Well, let's
0: ask a few biblical questions. Why did Caleb fight?
1: Why did Caleb fight? He fought to obtain the promise for the glory of God.
0: Well, next question, is that not something that you think you ought to do? Why did Caleb fight? He fights to obtain the promise for the glory of God. Second question, how did Caleb fight? He fought in the strength of another spirit, even the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, yes, you must understand that Christ did everything to reconcile us unto God. And as we view his work, he goes forth as our representative to
1: fight for us. But brethren, that is not the whole of the story. That is only half of the story. Because Christ not only did things for us, Christ then unites us to him so that you are in Christ and very importantly, Christ is in you. Christ is in you. When you
0: understand that, you go back to the Old Testament and you say, well, all of these men did these things not in their own strength, but in the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like the
1: prophets spoke in the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these examples are given to you to
0: see what you can and indeed what you must strive to accomplish
1: in the same strength. My friends, it is no wonder that large parts of the church are weak, effeminate, ungodly, and. Losers. It's no wonder. Because the diet they're getting from
0: the the pulpit is, Jesus has done everything. You're a, a loser. You can't do
1: anything. Just look to Jesus. Don't be like Caleb. Don't be like David, because that's Jesus. It's no wonder. It's a method of preaching that seems to be designed to excuse cowardice and keep the church in bondage. But the New Testament says otherwise. We read Hebrews chapter 11, didn't we? What did all these men do? They looked to Jesus. But then what did they do? By faith, they obeyed and they accomplished great things for God.
0: Turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and look at verse 32 and following. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 and following. And what shall I say, more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith,
1: Looked to Jesus and said he does everything, but we're a bunch of losers and we can do nothing. No. Through faith, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness,
0: obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed, valiant, in
1: fight. Turned to flight the armies the aliens. Well, that was good for them.
0: What about us? Chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, engage in the fight. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It's not just look unto Jesus. It is that in the mean. It's look unto Jesus at the same time being compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses who show you what it looks like to look unto Jesus and what you can accomplish in the strength of Jesus. We need to get out of this attitude of excusing our sin, excusing our weakness, and instead, we need to go to Christ to be filled with the Holy Spirit and sent from Christ to endeavor and to accomplish great things. For God, that's what Caleb shows us. He points us to Christ
1: and he shows us what it looks like to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, Caleb challenges as Christ.
0: Numbers chapter 13, he's challenging the people. Let us go up and take it immediately. We can take this land. He waits for 45 years. He conquers Kerjath Barba, but there's more to be conquered. And so he puts the question out, who's going to go and take Kerjath Sefer? Othniel, as we saw, follows in the fight. And so we have the next generation challenged to engage in the battle
1: for the Lord. I invite you to turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Who are greater than Caleb. And look there at verse 12. Verily, verily,
0: I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than thee shall he
1: do, because I go unto my Father. Isn't that an amazing statement? You're going to continue to do my
0: works, and you're going to do even greater works than I have done. Now, Nobody can replicate or substitute the great work of redemption that Jesus has accomplished on the cross. What's he talking about here? Friends, he's speaking of the advance of the kingdom of Christ. Jesus' ministry was very limited. He's in Galilee for the largest part. He's in Jerusalem and Judea for a, a short time. And he penetrates some border areas like Tyre and Sidon and Gadara and so on.
1: But the extent of his ministry is geographically very limited. And he says to his
0: church, when the Holy Spirit comes, you are going to do greater works than these. The boundary of the kingdom is going to expand, and I'm commissioning you to go and build it. And so you come to the book of Acts and you find the New Testament echo to the book of Joshua. It's all about conquest. It's all about laying hold of the promise. It's all about taking ground for the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in Joshua, when Caleb says, who will go up and take Kirjath Sefer, and I will reward him with Axa, my daughter. We must not hear merely the voice of Caleb, nor must we be content with hearing an older Christian challenging a younger Christian in the congregation. We need to tune our ear to hear the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Who will go up for me, Psalm 94, against these evildoers? Who will go up for me and fight? And we come in
1: faith, saying, unless the Lord would be my help, then I would dwell in silence. But since the Lord is my help, I will go in the strength of the Lord. And we go to him and we pray, Lord, we want to see the
0: inheritance of the church of Christ advance in this world. Give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake. Or we go up like Aksa to Caleb and said, well, you've given me this inheritance. Thank you very much, but I want more. Will you give me not just the southland, land, but, but will you give me springs of water? And Caleb says, here are the upper springs and the nether springs, but our Greater than Caleb says something far more glorious than that. He says, and you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and even unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And by the Spirit, the river
1: of the water of life is going to penetrate all the nations of the world. I look to Christ. You fight in the strength of Christ. And you fight for the glory of Christ. And so we see Caleb, he stands out and then he stays strong and then he stirs others.
0: The greatest thing we have to see, brethren, is that he
1: sends us to Christ. May God bless his word to our hearts that stand for prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the vision of our Redeemer. We thank you that he is the man of war. He is the great conqueror. He is the one who has a name which is above every name, a name that far excels the name of Caleb, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow. And Lord, so we bow. We lay hold of the promises.
0: We cast ourselves upon the, the strength of Christ. And we pray, O oh God, that you would deliver us from cowardice and bondage and excuse, excuses and the weakness that seems to have dominated so much of the church so that we Hear reasons not to fight instead of reasons to fight. O oh God, give us this mountain where oft the Lord speak, that in our day and generation, in despite of our weakness and the strength of Christ, we would take ground
1: for the kingdom of God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.